With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. And today I'm joined once again by G- JP, not GP. Are you a GP? I don't know. JP, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> no, me, but you're, you're, a skilled, you're a skilled individual. Um, JP Mason and Declan McConville. We're talking all things Celtic. It's the Axon Bulletin. We've been running every single weekday for the last year. And um, we're going to be doing a lot more in the new season. And I was just saying to the guys that there's a wee area of positivity about me today. Declan McConville, I'm going to come to you first of all. Am I right to have a bit of positive? Positivity about me as a Celtic fan? Yeah, um, I think on Tuesday night, you know, we all probably feared the worst going into the game. And uh, in terms of implementing his style of playing the team and, you know, a clear philosophy kind of shown through, obviously it's only early days in competitive football. But, um, you know, it could have been very different outcome the other night had uh, Beto not been sent off. So, yeah, I was very encouraged the other night. I think there's a clear system and identity in that team. 
if you get the right person to suit that system, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the season fully kicking off. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before the, the season fully kicks off, um, I'm going to make a comment about uh, the figure over your right shoulder, Declan McConville, because today was laid to rest a Celtic icon, a Celtic legend, a man who was involved in the greatest era of Celtic Football Club. He took two corners that changed the history of our club. Uh, talk to me a wee bit about Charlie. Yeah, um, I think, you know, young Celtic fans right away, you, you see that Dunfermline footage and the, the old clip and it says Gallagher, the man that takes all the Celtic corners and he puts it right in and Billy McNeil's head and, you know, we won our first trophy in eight years and it kind of sets us on our way to, you know, complete golden years and uh, glory under Jock Steen and, um, you know, every single one of the guys in that squad have all been lucky enough to, to meet some of them, um, Charlie, right, all of them, very, very humble, down-to-earth guy, um, very modest about his football achievements, but really, really lovely person. And a guy that, you know, constantly went to Celtic Park to support the team. He wasn't part of, you know, the match day hospitality and he was just there as a fan. And that, that was Charlie, a good Celtic fan, a really, really nice guy. So um, yesterday I was up at the funeral mass for Charlie stood outside and it was it was nice to see the club represented. So Mackay was there, our former manager, Neil Lennon, was also there, which was a nice touch, I thought. And uh, his former teammates, uh, John Clark and Tommy Callahan as well, as well, a couple of the Lions wives. So that was nice. Nice to see the club represented and it was a, a lovely service. And it was good to see some familiar faces that I've not seen in a wee while. Terry Dick, Jamie Fox, uh, Big John McLaughlin, Tommy Martin, and all the other guys. So yeah, it was a, a nice service for a very lovely man and a, a real Celtic legend. Absolutely. Now, we love a bit of Celtic history, JP. And, uh, you know, Celtic are making history every single day. Every game is part of this uh, fabric of this illustrious football club. Um, and one thing I found really interesting when I was, uh, here's the Claxon name drop, I was writing Andy Lynch's book. And he spoke about the fact that um, not only did he work at to Hamden Park as a ball boy he ended up the first team he played for was Queen's Park Strollers um, which I think was the third team it was a Queen's Park third team that he played for um, and when the ball is headed into the net if you watch the footage back there's a wee ball boy runs up to the net because it gets stuck in the back of the net it's not like these springy nets now JP where it would bounce back out the wee ball boy runs up and kicks the ball out to the Dunfermline number four I think and that ball boy is Andy Lynch and you huh. fast, forward, fast forward 12 years in the Scottish Cup final in 1977 and in the same goal, Andy Lynch is scoring the winning penalty kick. It's just incredible, eh? That's brilliant. That's, that's like the, the picture. I hadn't seen the picture of Callum McGregor as a ball boy that was, that was doing the rounds uh, after he was made captain where he's celebrating. Is it, is it Jan Vinegar of Hesslink that's, that's scored yeah. the goal? Yeah, uh, and Scott McDonald, aye. Aye, and he's in the background. That's, that's absolutely brilliant. There was another picture as well of him playing... In, in a Celtic strip obviously and it, look, it looks like I don't know maybe under 10s or under 12s or something like that you know he's, yeah. he's dribbling with the ball and it's just I've never I hadn't seen that picture either and it's it's, it's great you know it kind of it kind of any doubts I had about Callum McGregor being captain uh, whether he's as vocal as Scott Brown or not or like Scott Brown or not Scott Brown's gone we have to have a captain and it's, it makes complete sense that it's Callum McGregor you know, let's start that off as a conversation then, um, because obviously we're going to be talking about the other night there against Mitchelland. There's loads to discuss. You guys haven't had an opportunity on Axon to, to, to chat about it, so we'll do that today. But before we get into the game, JP, 
that number over your right shoulder has turned into a little emoticon. Am I the only person that still calls it an emoticon? Who knows? Is it, is it an emoji? We smiley face, or is it an, an acid 1990 acid. emoji? I'm acid. not quite sure what you associate acid with that. Yeah. Um, what are you smiling about? Uh, I was very fortunate to receive an email from Celtic Football Club about half an hour to an hour ago um, telling me I'm successful in the ballot for Saturday's game against West Ham. And... Uh, I'm absolutely over the moon to be going back. Um, very emotional uh, listening to uh, our friends over at 20 Minute Tim's. Melly did a Melly at the match and recorded the You'll Never Walk Alone um, as, it, as he was in the ground and included it in his post-match uh, uh, podcast. And I have to be completely honest, uh, my eyes were a bit damp when I was listening to it because it was just amazing. Just to, even to hear like the... The noise of the he recorded the noise of the the ticket scanner as you go through, um, <laughs> hearing that again, and then uh, hearing the the turnstile going and things like that. It was uh, it was well put together and uh, and and highly emotional. And you could just hear from uh, Melly and Stephen how excited they were to actually be at the game and and walk back into the ground and stuff like that. So to think I'll be doing that on Saturday after sixteen months. Is amazing, and uh, somebody replied to me on Twitter and said, you know, uh, something about it being a friendly or whatever. And I was like, look, I'd go and see us play Glibton Gl- uh, Grasshoppers at this stage. Um, a wee niche niche eighties reference, if you know who the Glibton Grasshoppers are, aka Josh's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh's Giants, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get that. Uh, so uh, no, I, I, I honestly, fact is a friendly doesn't matter to me. It's a game at Celtic Park and it's just going to be so good to be back in. We need to watch these 80s references because Declan McConville, I sometimes forget how young you are. You've got an old head on your shoulders, young man. Mm. Um, but when, when we're talking about the games, it's an interesting one because obviously we cover all the games. Um, we did that last season. We started covering the, the women's uh, team as well. And um, we're hoping to get to the Colts games when possible to cover them. But it begs the question, how are we going to do it? You know, How are we actually going to get the, the match day coverage? Because you need to have the facility to do that. And uh, I'm just waiting, Declan, if a decision is made that one person's in the studio that they're not entitled to have a comment about the Celtic game because they're not at it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Because, you know, obviously, in terms of season ticket holders against non-season ticket holders, etc. It would be great if the club gave us some kind of um, access deck at the game. You know, JP's given us an idea almost like... uh, you know, the, the normal experience of getting into the ground and everything that that entails. It'd be great even if there was a wee space that you could set something up half an hour before the game, go to the game, do the same afterwards. Yeah, some kind of shared room or, you know, even using the press facility after the the, the press use, you know, because we'll kit it out with Ethernet cables and all that sort of things if you're taking in your laptop or trying to produce content, which I know a lot of um, Celtic-minded people do. So that would be nice. Might be something the club look at. Um, but still, we're, you know, we're taking... Small steps here, which are positive. There's, you know, mm. been a, a good uh, number of fan media conferences, which is a positive step in the right direction in terms of engaging and bringing fans back into the club. So yeah, all these type of things are um, something heading in the right direction. Just before I forget, I should have mentioned John Fallon earlier. I'll get an angry phone call if I don't. So big John was there yesterday, as per usual, representing the hoops and money. His best mates, Charlie as well. So I don't want to get um, a, a crab at phone call later on. So better. <laughs> mention Big John No hopefully you don't get that crabbit phone call from the big man and if he is watching uh, all the best interesting enough remember the the scarves that 
they were getting remade and it was like in the style of the seven in a row and the nine in a row of the time beautiful silk scarves and I think somebody in Ireland came up with a brilliant idea because the club should have done it to remake them mm. and um, we were going to this event it was a Johnny Thompson event up in Carden Den JP um, it wasn't the 80th it was within the last 10 years certainly and you know I went up there and there sitting John Fallon and he had actually got one made for me with my name on it Elizabeth Lyon and he gives me this gift an absolute gentleman, an absolute gentleman. Oh, wow. So a big, oh, tremendous, big shout out to John Fallon. I also remember talking to Charlie. Um, again, here's a big klaxon, filming uh, the Smiler documentary at Hamden Park. And um, when I was talking to Charlie Gallagher, we interviewed him just near to the, the corner flag, the famous corner flag that he flighted the ball in for Big Billy to score the winner against Dunfermline. And I said, and that, that's that's the corner right there. And he goes, well, I thought it was the other one. But Pat Woods told me that was a corner flag. So I'm going to take Pat's word for it. But it just shows you how much that guy knows about Celtic's history as well. But um, let's talk about the game. I'm going to come to you first of all. JP, uh, on the Monday, I gave you my predicted 11. Uh, Axon Bulletin, predicted 11. I was spot on. <laughs> I, I had a wee wobble on the Tuesday because I was thinking, well, there was a question posed to Ange at the presser about Abada. Hmm. And and he was asked about a wild card, um, because he never appeared on the the squad list. But of course, they've registered before. I think it was eleven or twelve that night, and and he's been in the squad. Um, one of the high points, one of the high points of the evening. Talk me through some of the high and low points uh, on Tuesday night for yourself, JP. Uh, well, first of all, I decided to watch it in the the, the fine drinking establishment in the Gorbals, uh, the Brazen Head. Uh, and uh, what a, what an inspired choice that was. Uh, went with my friend Stephen and uh, uh, Jamie joined us as well, and it was brilliant. You know, just being in a pub full of Celtic fans, atmosphere was great. It felt like we were on holiday because it was obviously the weather, and we were in the beer garden out the back, and it just there was just a, I have I've not experienced that for so long. You know, I've I mean had plenty of experiences like that in the past, but certainly not for a long time, and. Just so sick and tired of watching games on my own in my flat. Uh, so not not least getting to go to the game on Saturday, La- Tuesday, just that experience alone, being in the pub and uh, atmosphere and whatnot. And yeah, I went into the game pretty terrified, I'm not going to lie. I mean, uh, looking at the defence, you're just thinking, how are we going to negotiate this? Because everybody had sort of talked up Mitchelland as being an accomplished side, you know, Champions League last season and this, that and the next thing. So... I was I was pretty worried, but I have to say my nerves started to be calm after the first, you know, tw- first 15, 20 minutes. I was just like, wait, wait a minute, they're not that great and we're not that bad. And uh, I, I, I was really uh, sort of enthusiastic about performances from likes of Ryan Christie, who we've all been critical of. I think the it's a bit over the top, the, the, the criticism of his shooting because he scored plenty of good goals. Um, he has obviously had a few wayward, a few wayward shots as well, but I don't think he's as bad at that as everyone makes out. It's more a question of whether or not he wanted to play for Celtic anymore. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, and Tuesday he showed he wanted to play. Uh, whether it's long-term or short-term, I, I, I don't know, but um, he certainly gave a good performance. And I thought Abada impressed as well. I said last week, Abada has to be a signing that does something, that doesn't, you know... I play a few games and then disappear on loan somewhere and then become a, an, another Schwed or another, you know, whoever. You, yeah. you know, listen as long as you're on. And Tuesday, he, he 
took, he took his chance so well. Reminded me a bit of Scott Sinclair um, mm. in his pomp. And, mm. you know, he's 19. I heard from someone, I think maybe Jamie told me on Tuesday, that the crowds he's been playing in front of in Israel, are, like his home crowd is about a 1,000 or something like that. Like they're a small club. He's not come from like a, a club where there's lots of pressure and expectations. So that may well have been one of the sort of biggest crowds that he's, well, maybe not. If he's played at the big the big clubs uh, against the big clubs in Israel obviously played in big, against bigger crowds but um, to play in front of a home support of 9,000 mm. only 9,000 must have blown his mind and then to score in front of that I mean I, I went absolutely daft when we scored because it, it really felt like we were up against it and there's nothing better than seeing Celtic score when you're up against it when you when you feel like you're the underdog and we've all, we've all we've all been used to that maybe not Declan so much but I mean we've certainly Sorry to pull the, the old boys card again, but I mean we've we've experienced Celtic being up against it in the past against Rangers, whichever one, um, and then you know in Europe as well when we've we've been up against it. So I think that was a huge thing on Tuesday, getting that first goal, and then of course we know what happened after that. <laughs> um, that's, that's I, the, I, I think we'll uh, deconstruct that as we go along. Absolutely. Yeah. See, you're talking about being up against it. I've spoken to Celtic fans also who um, like that kind of mentality, that siege mentality. Um, I, I think that we've gone into the game. Uh, I did predict uh, a victory because I don't think you, at any point on the Axon Bulletin I've predicted anything other than uh, a positive result for Celtic. But going in, there was there was definitely that feeling of trepidation. Um, when Abada was announced, it's interesting you mentioned uh, a, like, uh, a likeness with Scott Sinclair because I've seen a few people saying that, JP, that they, you know he did remind them of Sinclair in his absolute prime at Celtic. And, um, you know, it was a shame he, he came off when he did. But one one big thing for me, if you want to look on the other side there, with we, we Christie on the other flank. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Is the way that Ryan Christie and various others on the park approach this game. Now, Christie has been criticised um, quite a bit, not just about his uh, shooting prowess, JP, but the fact that sometimes it looks as though it's all about Ryan. So it's the Ryan Christie show. Um, one of the types of guys who's trying the Hollywood strike every time. Um, I didn't see that on Tuesday. I've seen a disciplined performance by Ryan Christie. Um, and I think that when a new manager comes in, Deck, and you know, you look at that opening interview with the new manager, I've, I've said before, it, it concerns me a wee bit when managers talk about this football utopia, the style, I'm going to bring attack and football to this football club. Because we heard that kind of thing from the likes of Tony Mowbray and John Barnes. And we know how that worked out. I just want to see success at Celtic and I want that to be the mentality. But see, when you watch that performance on Tuesday, I got that from a lot of players that I don't think it was evident last season, Christie being the prime example. Yeah, there was a collectiveness about the, the team, Paul, and I thought, you know, in the midfield, obviously, they lost one of their wingers due to the stupidity and their beat on, and as a collective, I thought they came together really well, they, they were covering each other's ground, they were moving off the ball, um, 
which is you know a positive to see. I mean, how many times did they watch Celtic last season and everything was just static and there was no movement at all? So yeah, it was just it was fresh to watch and you know I've heard a lot so far from what I've watched with the what the two fullbacks do in this system, like an inverted fullbacks when they go into the middle, which. You know, as positive as I said, there's a stamp on this team showing very, very early. And if you get the right personnel for that team, because we're still playing, you know, with a, a side that will not be the side I don't think that we go into the, the rest of the season. But if we get the right players in those positions, it could really work and it could play some really, you know, decent football. So, yeah. Um, but for Ryan Christie, I thought he was immense the other night. I think, you know, towards the end of the game, he tired a bit, um, which is natural. They'd only, you know, played a handful of games. He's hardly featured in a lot of the pre-season games but mm. I thought he put in a real shift and if he's still in the, the position where he wants to leave the club he's going the, the right way about it here because he, he's shown himself for a good football player that he is and um, if that's been the conversation and he's still wanting to leave then you know these aren't going to harm anything but uh, yeah but we'll see what happens with him but I, I thought he was I thought he was terrific um, on Tuesday evening Ryan Christie yeah, definitely. And uh, on the subject of Christie then, he is one of these players, JP, didn't play much in pre-season like Declan said. 45 minutes he played against uh, Charlton, 45 minutes for Scotland. Um, a wee bit of a surprise, even though I predicted he would play, because I just think he brings a lot to uh, the party when he does play. Yes, we've seen um, you know shots flying into Rosehead and everything else, but on the flip side of that, we've seen the goal against Aberdeen in the semi, the Scottish Cup, and also in the final against Hearts. So we know what he's capable of. Um, but it begs the question, I think that Ange is going to get as much a tune out of him as he possibly can for as long as he's at the club. But it's quite quite clear that if you're available to play, regardless of whether you want to leave, Ange will play you. Because he played Christie, he played Edward, and he answered the, the Griffiths question in the same way. He's available for selection. And that's all that he is interested in at this moment in time. It took me back to the the time when we were hearing during the pre-season as we were going on to win nine in a row that uh, Encham was mouthing off to the French press. He, he thought he was too good for the Scottish League. Remember that interview he gave? Yeah. thought he was too good for the Scottish League and, and all sorts. And I expected at that point for Neil Lennon, the manager at, the, at that time, to basically either freeze him out or get rid of him. But what he did, and you know, credit where credit's due, he utilised them that season. Let's not forget Lazio, right? Because you know, with that one performance, that one goal, he has written himself into Celtic folklore. You know, like him or loathe him, that is what he did. I mean, the celebration of him with that yellow and green jersey on, that image, that goal, that's going to be shown forevermore in Celtic's history. Famous victory, first victory ever in uh, on Italian soil. Right, so I'm looking at that scenario. I'm trying to get something out of this Christie narrative. Do you think he's a player that Ange could actually uh, turn round? And what I mean by that is Christie had already, I think, checked out. Loads of Celtic fans had checked out on him. What do you think? I think it was you, well, JP, that famously said, "Have yeah, he said elsewhere he can take his boots there as well?" I mean, I did because I mean, well, we were in the middle of a season are coming towards the end, the, the end of a season that was so important in our history. And you're thinking to yourself, well, we've got these players here that, that don't want to be here. And it was really frustrating as a, as a supporter to be, certainly to be sitting at home on your Jack Jones and watching guys playing for the club that actually don't want to play for the club. So, I mean, if, if, if it's a big if, if, if he can get something out of Christie uh, short term, and and it's beneficial to the club, then absolutely. I mean, 
if he could do a, a, a short term uh, short term sort of fix, so to speak. Um, I mean, he's already done it. I mean, Ryan Christie played really well the other night. You, you can't say anything other than that. He did. Like, there's there's no real arguments to even if you don't like the guy or you don't, you know, like the fact that he he, he sort of shoots on sight and maybe doesn't explore a pass um, when it's been a better option. He did play well the other night. I don't think it's up for any arguments. I've not seen anybody say anything different. And if if they have, they've kept their mouth shut. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love to, I'd love to see it. I just don't know what's happening in terms of transfers. The the Ayer thing, obviously, he'd been quite vocal about what he'd been promised by the club. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's an amazing bit of business what we got for Ayer. You know, mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot of noise on Twitter about uh, from from certain other corners about what we may or may not have received for Christopher Raya. Um, I, I don't really get why there's this sort of doubt over it. I mean, if there's a figure being mentioned, you know, I, I, I don't think we're, we've got two million quid for him or anything like that, you know, yeah. and um, there's obviously been a, a significant fee, uh, which will which will be in, unveiled over time, I'm sure, with, with add-ons and disclosure of accounts and everything else. Um, and it's a great bit of business with a year left in his deal to get that. I got laughed at last year or earlier on this year saying that we should be getting 20 to 25 million for him. Maybe not because I think he's worth that, but in today's transfer market, with his experience, an international, he's won everything in Scotland for four years in a row. He's played Champions League football, not too much, admittedly. Um, but, you know, why wouldn't we be getting a good, a good fee like that for him? And his age as well. What age is he? He's only 23. I mean, <laughs> there you go. Like he's 23. He's got you know time to be further developed as well. You know, yeah. and I know he's not. Wasn't everyone's mm. cup of tea? He wasn't a bruising. You know, go through the back of somebody like you know a Mialbe or a Baldi or something like that. And yes, that probably uh, let him down a little bit. But he he cared. He actually gave. You know, he, he gave he gave his all. And, and and that's what you want from a Celtic player. You want to see someone celebrating winning tackles. You want to see someone, you know, annoyed if he gets beat. Uh, and, and and I certainly saw that from him. And he, like you say about Cham with the Lazio goal, Ayer scores that penalty and wins as the fourth fourth treble in a row. That that's 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 immortal. It might have been in an empty stadium, which was horrible, but it's about what's written in the history books at the end of the day and, and four trebles in a row were completed on that day thanks to his penalty. So, and and uh, the sight of him running off to celebrate is is is, is up there with Encham's uh, backflip against Lazio. In the, in 100%. The 100%. I mean, see, at the age of 23, JP, you just have to look at the football he's played. I mean, he's played over 250 senior games, you mm-hmm. know, for... Uh, various clubs, including Kilmarnock, start Celtic, uh, and he's obviously he's, a, he's an internationalist with twenty odd caps under his belt. I mean, at this mm-hmm. age, you're looking at a player that potentially could end up winning a hundred international caps. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of the clubs that were, that had been interested because Paolo Maldini confirmed that AC Milan um, liked the look at He was a person of interest at that point. So a lot of fans mm-hmm. are saying, "Wait, wait a minute, AC Milan were interested in this guy. Why would you sign for Brentford?" Don't you think that's a bit naive, though, Declan, when you look at where Scottish football is? And, um, you know, maybe as a microcosm, where, where Celtic are right now in terms of our European pedigree, I'm not going to say for a minute that, that Brentford are going to qualify for Europe, but he is going to a club there that gives them a platform 
to take another step. He's only 23. He could be there for a couple of years. That platform to take the other step up, a la Virgil van Dijk, not comparing them as players. I'm talking about their journey uh, to the big, the bigger club, you know. Um, so he might not get to AC Milan just now or he might not get to Liverpool or one of the top English clubs. But Brentford, I think, is a, is a good move for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're in, they're in good shape. They've just built a new stadium. They obviously promoted it to the Premier League. They've got a good plan. Um, you know, you take the green-tinted specs off and t- to him it probably is a, a good move. You know, people say, oh, they've just came up from the you know the Championship into the Premier League, but it could be that stepping stone. He might quite like, you know, the, the culture of football in the UK and that, that's maybe maybe fancies a move to England, obviously travelling back to Norway for internationals and whatever. Um and he might have just settled into, you know, people need to remember he came to, to Scotland as a very young boy at about 16 or 17. So he's been here for, you know, five, six years of his life. So maybe just didn't fancy the, the, the move to Italy as well. And it just it suited him to go down south and see if he can get that platform. Because possibly even if Brentford, you know, don't have a successful season in the, the Premier League next year, but he's a standout, he'll get a move to another club like, you know... Uh, Victor Wanyama obviously went from Southampton to, to Spurs so it, it can happen and there's no reason why it can't happen with him and I think you know as JP said I think it's a great bit of business for the club that we've, we've managed to get that money on him and he's played his part in the quadruple treble and uh, a year only left in his contract for the money that's been branded about I think it's 13 and a half million quid I think we've did quite well as long as it's um, spent wisely and the man in the, the banner there hopefully will be the man that's spent wisely on well, this is this is the big headline today because obviously Carl Starfelt has arrived. Um, some cute tweeting from the club last night, JP, that I think you would appreciate. Um, yeah. Obviously, with regards to uh, one of the main men's in terms of uh, anybody's music collection, uh, it's lovely to see Celtic tweeting images of David Bowie. Love it. <laughs> uh, however, what I did say, again, a wee bit of criticism came away by saying, are we waiting to sell Ayer and Edward before we... We strengthen in these areas, and I don't know if that was the chronology of it, or you know, because we know that he was obviously in a hotel room watching the game, and everything was underway. But obviously, the chronology is Ayers left for thirteen and a half, possibly plus, and then Carl Starfelt's come in. Uh, when when you look at what happened the other night, and there's still plenty to discuss about the other night, JP, the fact that we brought in Carl Starfelt, I felt centre half was more of a priority than any other area of the park. There are other areas that we need to strengthen, but I just thought, you know, the, the whole beat on thing came from the fact that he was playing in the first place, you know, came from the fact because he would never have been playing um, in midfield. He was only playing because of the dearth of centre halves that we've got. A few people before the game suggested that they would even play, you know, Dane Murray before him because he had shown up really, really well during pre-season. And by the way, he played really well when he came on. But this, the, the frustration here, is, as well as I'm positive and I started to show off in a positive manner, the frustration is this didn't happen a couple of weeks ago. JP, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you only need to go back to the game at Ibrox. Neil Beaton wouldn't have played in that game where he got red-carded for hauling down Morelos and he got done. Now, I don't know if anybody said this, but um, Jamie pointed out when we were watching the game that I think Beaton thinks that that guy that he, that he was uh, chasing, I think he thinks he's the linesman. Because if you look, look at the way that he looks at the guy as he's running, and then he, he kind of all of a sudden goes, oh, wait a minute, that's one of their players. That's not the linesman. And that's, what, that's, what, that's why he hesitates. And then the guy's off and he's got a march on him. 
obviously the guy did make the most of it. There's no doubt about that. He did make the most of it. He was looking for a penalty, as and you know, obviously we know what happened later on in the game to that guy, and, and karma is a bitch. But um, he, uh, the, the the reaction from Beaton was completely unnecessary. Everybody mm-hmm. said it. He said it himself. He came out. I think I saw a screenshot of his apology on Instagram where he said, "This is a platform I have to make an apology, and I, I'm sorry." And you know, I'm sure he is sorry, but. You know, we were in a really, really strong position, and but for an absolute moment of madness from him pointing a finger in a guy's forehead, it's just completely ridiculous. Um, we could have been, you know, in a much stronger position right now. I really, really hope that you know um, we don't rue that moment um, come come Wednesday next week. You know, I, I hope we've got. I think they'll have a full house. Is that right? Is Denmark? Um, are they okay with restrictions? I think. I think they've. I might I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure was there not games played. Yeah, the Euros, JP. So aye, aye, that's, what, that's, that's what I thought. Yeah, so I mean, they're they're going to have the the advantage of uh, of that. Thankfully, they don't have the away goals advantage, which kind of blows my mind in a way that that is now gone. You know, it's it's mm. been such a huge part of you know our lives as football supporters. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's insane to just think that's suddenly gone. It's not. It's not something small that's been removed here. That is a massive, massive thing that's been removed and, and changes the landscape completely because a 1-1 for them with an away goals rule, you're thinking, oh, well, we're up against it next week big time. But it's it's just, as the manager said, it's half time in the, in the tie and there's no real advantage because it's just it's, it's, it's as you were. So we've got to go over there um, without near beat on, um, which is possibly an advantage. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I know it's mental, but I would probably, if I was him, I would play Dane Murray at centre half. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's you could say it's a gamble, but I, I mean, the guy's in the squad. He's he played the other night. What, what real difference does it make playing him next week? You know, I mean, if you're if you're going to get played at home, why why not away? You can't you can't pick and choose your games for Celtic. You know, it's it's you're either you're either a first team player or you're not. It's the same with. The Saka argument in the final, people are like, oh, you shouldn't have let that guy take a penalty and blah, blah, blah. It's like, please. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. He's an international player. Like he's in the squad. He's, he's playing in the team. You know what I mean? Like, he's a he's a forward player. He would take a penalty for Arsenal. So why wouldn't he take a penalty for his country? I admit it was on a huge stage and it was it carried a lot of weight. But I don't get that argument about oh he can he do that to to a nineteen year old and everything else. It's like well no I'm sorry he's there he needs to he needs to play and I would say that argument applies to to Dane Murray next week. The, the, and listen, I, I agree with that. I really do, JP. And uh, there comes a point I think where a young player can be thrown into the melting pot, and you know sometimes it's, it does the world of good for them. You know, it's a, a sink or swim scenario, but it's not as though he hasn't tasted that level because, as you say, he came on and he played really, really well. And I would like to speak a wee bit more about uh, Dane Murray because it just saddens me that um, you know you look at some other players that probably failed to develop at Celtic because they weren't given the game time. Uh, when you see the quality of some of these guys that are coming through, uh, I sometimes question why we've gone out and bought so many uh, younger players over the years. And I know it's a lottery. I know that. You mentioned Marion Sved earlier on, JP, right? Um, and he's come in and this conversation could be much, much different. We know it's a complete lottery. And there's a story about him apparently being in Belgium to tie up another deal. Great. If he goes... Brilliant. We get him off the wage bill. We move on, and you know, I'm I'm waiting to see that image of him at some Belgian club being announced as a signing, and that's a positive for me. As was Bio, and I'm also looking forward to seeing the Encham announcement when he signs for wherever Encham is going as well. But see, when we're looking at the the Beaton incident, and I've watched it so many times, there's a real almost like comedic um, nature to the way that not only does he point at the guy JP right he then does this thing and it was like Rick Mail and the young ones where he would assault uh, Vivian and he's poked him in the eye almost with his finger mm. and it's ridiculous to watch because mm. he's had an opportunity after the first finger point to realise right I've already been booked calm the heat you know mm. this guy's and, and you know at that point that the guy's um, dived. You know that because you, you, he's not whistled for a penalty. No penalty, yeah, yeah. Right? Eight years in the Celtic first team near Beaton, in and out of the Celtic first team, I've got to say. But that level of experience, if you've never learned at that stage, you never will. So you look mm. at the game that you mentioned at Ibrox, his awareness, uh, the positional awareness was non-existent. And that's what put him in trouble against Rangers. And that's also what put him in trouble. And I know people might say... You know, look at back. The guy was offside. He was, he was a, you know, a foot offside. But at the end of the day, his positional awareness is so bad. But so is his recovery. Because all you're doing at that stage is you are shortening that gap, knowing that your goalkeeper or expecting that your goalkeeper is going to be at his near post, so that it's going to be difficult for him to get a shot in. But beat on. No, you wait until you get to the box, then you actually make the challenge. It was a ridiculous thing. Uh, in, in so many levels for Beaton to do, but then the way that he followed it up, I'm looking at that. I'm not. I'm not quite saying it's unforgivable, but for a guy that age and or, you know with that level of experience to do that and put us at risk. And let's be honest. I mean, would we have come away with a better result? Who knows? But the chances were the way the game is going, the momentum is building as well. Um, a, a massive part of the blame has to go. Uh, onto near Beaton. I don't know what the future holds for him, um, but I don't even know what his role is at the club anymore. I really don't. He's one of these guys, Declan, who's he's a legacy, one of these legacy players who's got a big fat contract with a huge big wage. I don't think he'll be in a hurry to leave. 
you know, and, and, and by the way, I think Tom Rodgers in that category, but yeah. he's got a different attitude and I think he's one of the players we'll talk about. I think he's looking really le- lean and trim and he might get a second win on, under Ange Postacoglu for all the reasons we've already described. So let's have a wee chat, Declan, about Nier Beaton. You've watched potentially every game that guy's played. I know you go home and away, you go away in Europe. You've seen a lot of his, his, his game time. He's not developing as a footballer for Celtic. No, I mean, you know, he played, I think he played in the 5-1 game under Brendan Rodgers. He played in midfield that day. Um, I think he's been at the club for something like seven or eight years. That's a long, long time. And in that seven or eight years, I would never say he's, you know, went from that level to there. He's just always could have been the same kind of player. We basically found another position from him when we were short and, and Champions League qualifiers under Brendan Rodgers and started playing him at centre-half. Um yeah, I, I just, he's a bit part player. He's on a big contract. Again, last season was a total shambles and disaster. But come that game in January, after a good run of performances in December, now, probably wouldn't have won the league. I'm not saying that before people jump on me. But there was still a wee tiny, tiny glimmer of hope in January. Had we, you know, we played well in the first half that day at Ibrooks. Had that not happened, and it could have been a different result. Yes, old Dubai thing would have probably happened, and would have probably still been uh, in a mess. But it could have all been different. Probably wouldn't have, but it could have. And after that game was probably last chance alone for me. But this again, you know, I think for the manager, he's not seen that. The three of us and everybody else in the comments will have seen near beat on make mistakes. Kevin Tate highlighted some of them in the group chat last night and other games. Um, so. Yeah, it's just like, I don't, don't know where you go, but again, how do you shift them? Because it probably wouldn't be the type of money coming in our bids because they're being too comfy a contract to go anywhere and he probably, he's not a first team pick for me anyway. So, yeah, he's just one of those players that, you know, just don't seem to get rid of. And I don't know when he's contracting, but I mean, could we be seeing a near beat on testimony in a couple of years' time if he's still got a few legs left in the contract? Wow. Deary, deary me. Uh, see the game you mentioned there at Ibrox where obviously he was he was sent off and, you know, McGregor scores the own goal and everything else. And we know what then happens. The, the season was already um, in free fall by that point. But you make a good point. We win the cup in the December, the wee bit of momentum, we're going a decent enough run. Uh, were we six points behind Rangers that day going into that six, game? I think, yeah. yeah. So we two games in hand and they've made a, you know, an arse of the two games in hand. But, because I still, you just don't know what would happen. You know, momentum might have changed and whatever else. But yeah, it's in the hands of the gods. It's done now. But it's still a game where you look at and think to yourself, the result just even in that game could have been different and it could have did something to Rangers that might have put a bit of pressure on them. Um, but we don't know. But again, Paul, you know, that game for me was a big, big game in the season. And he came back and he played at Livingston. I think he actually scored when he came back after the whole isolation thing and he scored at Livingston. So, God knows. God only knows. In talking about Beaton and the fact that we're going into the, the next game against Midtjylland, um, looking at a youngster, an 18-year-old who has played one competitive game of football, one senior game of football in Dane Murray. Uh, very impressed with him as well, though, JP. I've got to say, it takes me back to performances in the past where a young player's been thrown in, and we know the famous ones, uh, you know, David Marshall, John Kennedy's performance against Barcelona that had us all believing he was going to be a Celtic captain and a kingpin for years to come until that dreadful challenge uh, all but ended his career. Um, interestingly, and I never mentioned this earlier, JP, Christopher Ayers' parting Aye. message to the yeah. Celtic fans, mm-hmm. he highlights 
the part that J.K. played in his career at Celtic. What do you make of that? Because, listen, there's a whole list of people lining up to say John Kennedy's a top-class coach and he's done wonders for my career. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, he basically said, did not say we would not have won the quadruple treble without John Kennedy and his, his input? So, I mean, you, you can't, you can't deny that he's not he's not been slipped a slipped a a, a brown bag to <laughs> to say that by John Kennedy has it I mean that's that's from him that's from from the heart and you know it, it, it does make you think differently about John Kennedy and his role at Celtic because obviously there's the constant you know question marks over him it has been from me as well um, is he just there out of you know um, not charity, but like, you know, is he just there because of what happened in his football career? There's a lot of people say that and speculate that. But to hear somebody coming out like that and saying, well, he's a 23-year-old uh, guy. He's obviously, you know, got on well with John Kennedy and, and, and being coached well by him and looked after by him. So it, it maybe doesn't give you as much of the fear about him remaining at the club as he seems to be. Um I've always said, and I said this before, if Ange Postacoglu wants and is happy for John Kennedy, Gavin Strachan, Frank McIverney, whoever it is, right, if he's happy for them to be at the club and happy to work with him, I'm totally fine. And it's his decision. I'm totally fine with that. I don't, I don't, I'm not really bothered. It's only when you get the, the, the idea that there's meddling involved. And I really, really hope that those days are, are gone <laughs> um, and we can, we can put that the sort of that fear to bed. Well, it was a big, it was a big point of debate, uh, debate, Declan, all around the backroom team. The fact that we had gone so far down the line with Eddie Howe, big part of that promise was he was bringing his backroom team. Big part of the reason the, the deal broke down was various members decided they weren't coming to Celtic. Um, now in a race for the Swansea job with Neil Lennon, incidentally, um, Eddie. So when we were looking at that, and then the new man comes in, and he's he's basically. Coming in, he's been parachuted into a managerial team that's already there that people associate with the failure of last season. You then see the images, and I was really impressed with the the collective nature uh, of the the managerial team during the game, Declan. I I wasn't at the game. I'm also not going to be at the West Ham game, JP. Uh, but Jim Orr was in recording something completely different this morning. He was talking about being at the game and how he could hear Ange and you know barking his instructions. But there was definitely uh, far more of a bond, you know, from the outside looking in. Let's be honest, we're, we're, we're merely spectating here um, and amongst that. But obviously somebody finds the moment where John Kennedy isn't smiling when everybody else is celebrating. That becomes a thing. Uh, the laptops become a big thing. We've spoken about it on here as well. I'm not saying that you know we've supported Strachan and Kennedy. Of course we haven't. But when you hear that, and as J- JP says, um, there's no reason for Chris Iyer to, to pick out John Kennedy's name because he could have mentioned Ronnie Dyla and what he did uh, under Ronnie Dyla, he could have mentioned Neil Lennon, he could have mentioned Brendan Rodgers, but he mm-hmm. name checks John Kennedy. Is it about time that we thought we think? Well, you know what? We've got to have a bit of faith here in Ange Postecoglou, who's already said, "If they're noise men, they're noise men." But at this moment in time, they're there, and we need to move on with that. We need to move on from last season. Yeah, I mean, you know, right away in the press conference, I was glad he just didn't kind of accept it and say, "Yep, take them in." That's it. He made it clear that he was making the decision and it would be his decision. And again, you know, Andrew's style might be a lot different from the guys that John Kennedy's previously worked under. You know, the guys that he's got there as coaches and, and Kennedy Strachan and McManus might just be there to put out the cones and, you know, 
if Ange gives him a bit of paper, do this in training, that's what they go and do and that's it. And he doesn't really rely on them in games and he just does it all himself but uses them as his, uh, as his stepping stones to get the, the messages across to players. So, yeah, and, you know, there's a lot being made again that it was a dig at Neil Lennon. If, if anything, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers would probably be the guy that would be saying it would be a dig at him who gave him his chance in the, the first team. So I think it's just a case that John Kennedy might just be quite good at his job individually and as a coach and that over the five years he's helped Chris Iyer the most than anybody and remember John Kennedy has been the constant through it all from the very start in 2016 through until 2020 Celtic winning the quadruple treble and it was a guy that you know stayed on from that Rogers period into the, the next period when Damien Duff and Neil Lennon came into the fold so I don't think it's a, a dig at anybody it's just Chris Iyer saying this guy's good at his job he's a good coach and he's helped me a lot and I want to to thank him, which is how I read it, and I think you know somebody that's Chris Iyer's mate on Twitter um, has, has said that too. So yeah, I mean you can tell that the players got on with John Kennedy, and you know maybe he is a positive influence in the dressing room, but we just don't see it, and we we want to pick apart body language and you know moan about things. But yeah, it's, I think it's just a case of Chris Iyer saying thanks and cheers for everything, John. So there, that's how I read it anyway. We've got lots of comments, as always, coming in on Twitter, YouTube and on Facebook. If you are watching, thanks for joining the Axon Bulletin. If you're watching on YouTube, get subscribing because every month we give away a massive prize. I think we've got 22 big prizes, starting off with the platinum disc that was presented to the Verve for 2.1 million sales of Urban Hymns. I've said that a few times now, JP. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, so, yes, get subscribing. Uh, we're over 13,000, and uh, we are pushing on loads of big shows coming up under the Axon banner and elsewhere in the world of music, etc. Um, going to dip into some of the comments coming in. David Bradley answering the headline, we need a goalkeeper. Uh, Taylor's Place, get it sorted, Celtic. Please. So looking for a left back and a goalie. Patrick Murphy on YouTube reckons it has to be a goalkeeper and full backs, I'm guessing, right and left. We're lacking in quality in these areas. If Edward leaves, we'll need another striker. 100% agree with that. But you know Celtic, we won't sign until players leave. Champions League or Europa League is secure. Um, and we're also looking at uh, Gerald McEwen at this moment, I would say. Right back, swiftly followed by left back, both requiring quality players in order to implement Angie's system properly. I think that goes back to one of the earlier points you made, JP. There's a very uh, distinct shape about this team. They're playing a very specific way, which is great to see. Uh, difficult sometimes in the pre-season games with the amount of personnel getting changed at half-time for us to see that. But I think we've seen enough now to realise that the fullbacks um, have got a job um, of staying in this side. Regardless of what you think of them, I just don't think they're suited, JP, to the way that Ange wants to play, which means that the left-back and right-back are going to have a lot of the ball in the final third. They're going to have to be distributing that ball um, better than what Taylor and Ralston have been. But I'm not getting on this bus of the other night, you know, putting Ralston in the same bracket as Barkas and Beaton has been one of the reasons we never won the game. I think yeah. he was competent enough. I really do. I think I know he's not the long-term um, answer for Celtic 100% agree with that um, but I just think at this moment in time until we get the reinforcements in that we require I think he was competent enough um, but the right back and the left back they are a priority are they more of a priority for you JP than a goalie? Yes 100% I, mm. I'm not getting my knickers in a twist about the Barkas thing right it was a mistake uh, and he'll know it was a mistake and I'm sure he regrets it 
And the guy hit a really good shot. It was either going to be a cross or a shot. And the guy went for the shot. And as somebody else pointed out, they reckon Sviatchenko went across and went, have a dig here. Um, I know it's a bit he of a... He definitely went over and he spoke to him and he, you know, and if a goalie stays static like that, JP, and you had it in target, it's going yeah. to go in. Yeah, I mean, he got right, top bin, it was a really good hit. I mean, I was quite shocked when I saw it go in because I was like, whoa, I, w- I was expecting a cross. I wasn't expecting a shot. I'm not a professional goalkeeper, though. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I saw Lawrence Connolly put up on Twitter last night that he has faith in Ange Postacoglu and Stevie Woods to make a keeper out of Barkas. The argument there would be, why, we need, why do we need to make a keeper out of a guy that we paid $5 million for? But I'm not. I'm not ready to to completely abandon faith in Barkas until if he makes a litany of errors over the next, you know, you know, however many games, four or five games, and he's kept in the side, then okay, fair enough. The, the, the guy's not not there mentally and uh, professionally for Celtic. But I, I, on the basis of that one mistake, I don't think it's a case of all oh, the guys that did get him out, get somebody else in, get Forster back or. Blah blah blah. I, I would say that we probably do need to sign a keeper, and that would involve either Bain or Hazard going out and loan. I think we should probably sign a. I'm not saying go out and spend crazy money, but there's probably a a keeper out there that we could get uh, on on you know a a, norm, a a reasonable fee somewhere. Everybody's the... uh, fancying Sergio Romero this morning, which I think <laughs> might be a wee bit out the price. But he is a free agent, so possibly, possibly his wages might be an issue. I would imagine, mm. but. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think I think maybe a, 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 a fresh keeper into the mix. But I don't think it's a case of like, oh, get rid of Barkas, he's terrible. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't think you can, you know, just base a decision on that one mistake. Big keepers make big mistakes. De Gea's made some absolute howlers. Um, arguably one of the best keepers in the world. There's other, there's other numerous other examples at the Euros as well. There was a lot of mistakes made by keepers. Um, do you fling them under the bus and tell them they're? their careers over at the club or whatever or at international level I don't know I, I get I get why people are annoyed because it was a it was a glaring error mm. um, but it's, it's if they start mounting up then fine but at the moment I don't think he's got you know a, a list the length of your arm of mistakes to, 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 to be chastising him uh, it's all about whether or not he actually wants to be there or not you know he might be one of the players that wants away we don't know the thing for me, looking at the goalkeeper scenario, is um, yeah, absolutely. You, you, you remove that one free kick, which by the way, I don't even think it was a free kick. I thought it was no, a good tackle by Stephen Welsh. Yeah, yeah. Um, you remove that out of the equation. Yeah, and we're not having this conversation. And you're thinking, well, you know, maybe we'll get a tune out of uh, Barcast, maybe we'll get a tune out of this one and that one. And um, I think a wee bit of patience is probably required in that area because I think that uh, the left and right back, when you look at certainly domestically, the amount of time we're on the attack, these two guys are pivotal, the right back and the left back. The way that Ange is going to be playing, Declan, you know, we're going to really just be swamping the, other, you know, the final third of the, the park and generally your goalkeeper is required for the big moments. And when that big moment came, Barkas made a, made a howling error. At least it wasn't stupidity. This is what I said just after yeah. the game. It was an error which comes into incompetence rather than stupidity, which was Beaton's mm-hmm. um, situation. But there's loads of goalkeepers out there. I think I was reading this morning, Ross Duhan is 
apparently going to Tranmere on loan. We were waiting until Conor Hazard came back from injury before that deal went through. So we've still got our three goalkeepers at the club. I think there was interest from Dundee to get Conor Hazard out on loan. He's obviously signed a long-term deal after his heroics in the Scottish Cup final. Uh, again, people sometimes go on about him flapping in that game. We've seen that a couple of times. That was after, though. Some really impressive performances as well, Declan. We can't forget that when Hazard came in, you know, for a spell, people were saying he's, he's our number one. But when you're looking at uh, goalkeepers that are available, I threw one into the mix. There's loads of goalkeepers. Um, Jamal Blackman's a free agent. Um, he's His contract with Chelsea's up. He's had about nine loan deals here, there and everywhere. 27 years of age. There's going to be enough availability when it comes to every position. Do you feel it's a priority now, Declan, particularly when you think, well, you know what, domestically, I think the priority is in the attacking area and the right-back and left-back, the way Ange wants to play, are going to be in that area of the park. Yeah, I think the, the system needs to be the, the priority at first. I mean, you know, after the night, you know, I've uh, kind of defended Barkash for everything he's been through in terms of Defence is changing and then being thrown under the bus, being told he's number one and then not playing and whatnot. But uh, uh, the other night was an error. Um, you know, goalkeepers do have errors. It's a position that gets scrutinised so much because they're the guy between the sticks if the ball goes in the night. Inevitably, nine teams out of ten they'll get the blame. But uh, yeah, I, I would sort the system first as well because um, I think the two fullbacks are going to be crucial. Um, Obviously, Starfelt's now came in. We're still waiting on Julian coming back. So, again, we're depending maybe younger players probably won't go and see another centre-half now. Just because they like to be short of centre-halves. And uh, even if you look at, you know, the, the wings, really in depth, not really get anything. Again, Mikey Johnson's injured. Um, obviously, we've got a badder now. And then another flank, Forrest and nobody else. So, uh, Again, as well as that, obviously, Odin Edward, we don't know where his future lies. So I think there's a lot more worry to be had than the, the, the 10 outfield players rather than the goalkeeper. But possibly it might be time to, to bring somebody else in. Maybe not to replace Barkas, but certainly to challenge him because I don't think Scott Bain will do that job who the last season you know, never covered himself in glory. So uh, not the, the main priority right away, but probably is now something to look at and uh, you know, start to maybe put the feelers out if, if there's anybody available that they could get in. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Bain's distribution is good enough, is it? For him yeah. to fit into the way that Postacoglu wishes to play, which is a point that Brian Degnan has raised quite a few times on the pod as well. Just a couple of things, JP, that, that's come to mind. 22 seconds on the clock. We kick off with Edward taking the... Um, the, the kickoff, which, you know, again, football's changing so much. I used to remember when there was two guys taking off the, you know, the, the, the kickoff. JP, I'm old-fashioned, man. There's only one guy now. It's the, John Col- the John Collins uh, Scotland kickoff is the, the, is the is still the best one. I remember mm. they kicked off. Uh, was it in Estonia? Was it Tallinn? Estonia. That was brilliant. I love that. So we've got possession for 22 seconds. Who loses possession? Can you remember who lost possession? Near Beaton. Near Beaton. So we've got the ball for 22 seconds. He loses it. Straight pass. And then there's a there's a moment as well, a heart-in-the-mouth moment, where Barkas goes for a wee jog with the ball at his feet. He's mm. not under any pressure. And then he passes it across his own goal mm. to mm. Near Beaton. So mm. there's a question all about the positional uh, awareness he beat on that he's actually standing opening his body up for the ball when he's standing in the middle of an empty goal 
and Barkas has only got one option and it's to play it to Beaton. So I think there was a whole host of issues with Beaton's performance, not just that sending off. He, he takes a really bad head knock and he's off the pack for 10 to 12 minutes. Um, so he's only played about half an hour. And, and, you know, then you're looking at the fact that there's a change in the central defensive area as well, which uh, Barkas also has to deal with. So I'm not blaming everything on their Beaton. But let's be honest, it, it was the, the start of the issue was, was Beaton getting sent off um, as well. Looking at some of the points coming in, Lazarus, who is going to be Celtic's Lazarus, uh, like a like a Lazarus from the Flames. Beaton is a bang average midfielder and an awful defender, says Lazarus. Brian Watt comes in to say there must be affordable keepers out there who can pass the ball about. I mean, that seems to be what Ange Postacoglu wants. I think, uh, to be honest with you, Barkas can do that. Declan, I think he fits the bill in that respect. Mm, yeah. We've maybe just not seen enough of the short stopping that we come accustomed to with guys like Fraser Forster, Craig Gordon, who are brilliant short stoppers. Um, so I don't know if he's in the market for a goalie. Uh, what I did like, though, was that when he came out, JP, going back to what Declan said earlier about being thrown under the bus, Ange never threw anybody under the bus. And in actual mm. fact, he said, that's on me. So mm. first post-match competitive game interview... And he says, that's on me. He takes the responsibility. Whatever he's saying in the dressing room is different. He can deal with all that. But he's not throwing his players under a bus. And I was impressed with that, JP, after what we've seen and heard last season. No, 100%. And uh, I might not quite be on the Ange Postacoglu wave, but I'm in the surf and I'm paddling and I'm waiting to get on the wave because the more I hear from him, the more I like what I hear and the way that he's dealing with things. And... I think Kev said this maybe on the post-match. You know, not doing that gives Barkas an opportunity to go out there. and. I mean, Barkas could be a hero on, on Wednesday night next week and make a couple of crucial saves. I mean, I, there's no question Barkas is going to play in that game, right? There's no way that he's going to change keeper for the next leg of that game, right? So Barkas is playing next Wednesday regardless of the mistake. Obviously, the that comes with its own pressure. But it also gives him, the, the com- he's got the confidence of his manager to be like, right, you've not thrown me under the bus after that. You're well aware that it was my, probably my fault for that goal. But you're, giving, you're putting faith in me to go out there. I'm going to do my very best to justify that faith. And that's kind of well, how football works a lot of the time, isn't it? Or at least that's what I believe it to be like. You know, if, if players... You know, even players of, of of limited ability, if they're given faith by the manager, then then th- th- you could get an extra twenty, thirty percent out of that player because of how the manager's dealt with dealt with you. So, um, I I really really want Barkas to have a good game next Wednesday, and and hopefully you know maybe just silence a bit of the critics because he's been absolutely slaughtered. <laughs> I mean, so much it's seen so much stuff over the last few days since the game. Um, I really hope he's not on social media because um, it, it wouldn't be a very healthy place for him to be, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that's that's my thoughts on that. Looking to Wednesday then, I know that you're going to be at the game at the weekend. JPM will be covering that game as we always do. But looking at Wednesday next week, a couple of questions to answer, Declan. Um, do you stick with Barkas? Do you show him that faith? Do you give him that, that vote of confidence by picking him against Mitchelland? Is that a no-brainer for you? 
Yeah, I think you do. Um, you know, I don't think it would help him if Postecoglou does want to persist with him to, to drop him for next week. And again, if you, you brought in Scott Bain or Conor Hazard, you know, I, I wouldn't have much faith in it. So yeah, I would prefer Barkas to start next Wednesday over the other two goalkeepers. So don't think it would help the goalie if he dropped him. So yeah, Barkas for me next Wednesday night. What about centre-half? That problematic centre-half position, Declan, who gets the nod? Who uh, comes in at centre-half? Yeah, I'd stick with the two young Scottish boys. I think the two of them, you know, you could see there was a bit of an understanding in their game the other night. I thought Murray came on and looked assured. It was interesting that the manager opted for, for Murray over his new signing and Yuragidi, who's featured a lot in pre-season. But yeah, and I thought Welsh had a good game the other night. I thought, you know, a lot of people have given him a hard time as well, but I thought he was strong and, you know, it looked a lot more assured than he does. He's still a young lad, so I would just stick with, with Welsh and uh, Murray for Wednesday as well. Declan makes a good point JP I thought that we've probably seen Stephen Welsh's best performance the other night and I, I've been a big supporter of him oh, I think he's, a, he's a very promising uh, player and we're talking about you know when, when Julian comes back there's this thought process that the centre-half partnership will be Julian and Starfelt if Welsh puts in performances like that it's going to be difficult to drop him once Julian comes back I mean I hope that he can develop a partnership with Starfelt when he's able to play, because everything I've seen on, on Tuesday night from Welsh was positive. Even when he was penalised for that free kick, I didn't think it was a free kick. I've seen him talking Dane Murray through the game. We've seen him doing that with experienced players. So two points to be made on that. Firstly, I think that he's grown as a player. He's grown in stature. You can see that um, from performances like Tuesday night. But the other one that I would say is it's a Bit of a concern um, to a degree that if we brought in Yurigiri, yet we're not that sure of him that we would put him on in a, in a game like the other night, but we would put on Dane Murray to make his first senior appearance. So going into Wednesday night, do you agree with Declan, JP? Dane yeah. Murray, centre-half? Yeah, I do. I do. And if, like you said about Welsh, we'd be in a, a pretty good place if Welsh and Starfelt are the starting central defenders by the time Julian comes back. And, you know, that's a strong position to be in if Julian's struggling to uh, get, in that t- get in that team because you want that to be the, the, the competitive uh, nature. And just on Welsh, I think what you see there is Welsh hasn't tasted success with Celtic. He's not been part of this run of quite crazy success that we've had over the last four years, winning everything. Everything. We won everything. There was nothing left unturned. We lifted every single trophy. And guys like Ayer have left because that was they've reached their kind of glass ceiling. It's like, well, at what stage do you, you know, obviously we didn't win anything last season, but, you know, he's won everything in Scotland. He's ticked all those boxes. We've now got a guy in Welsh who is uh, homegrown, Scottish, Celtic fan and he's playing for Celtic and he and he's not tasted success so he's absolutely hungry and you could see that on Tuesday night you could see mm-hmm. in the way that he was playing the way that he was tackling the way that he was you know a, a, a bit of like a man possessed at some points um, mm-hmm. and, and that, that that is 100% what you want to see as a Celtic fan a Scottish boy playing his heart out for Celtic and you know we've given him that platform and you know, long may that continue. And you, you can say the same thing about about Anthony Ralston as well. My only concern is that Anthony Ralston has been in and around about it for so long and hasn't done that. So why why is it suddenly going to happen now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you could people would say, oh well, you, you were slating Anthony Ralston. 
wasn't slating him as such. I was just saying, well, you know, our previous right back was a Swedish international who's been decorated with numerous caps and we haven't had anybody like that since then. And Anthony Ralston's been at the club for the last four years and has been sent out on loan. Didn't really dig up trees at um, St. Johnston or Dundee United. Didn't give us anything to to think. Oh well, we've got a player there. We should be we should be giving him the right back berth every week. But with with Stephen Welsh, he's this is all new to him. He's not been away and uh, yeah, he has been away on loan at Green and Morton, but it's not he's not been in around about it for so long that you're like, well, he's missed his missed his chance and like that. He's, he's he looks really 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 hungry and assured and. Uh, Again, with somebody experienced alongside of eventually in Starfelt or Julian, then you know it, it can only get it can only get better for him. And Murray as well. If if he's talking, if a guy like Stephen Welsh is talking Dane Murray through games, then you know that there's there's something of a player there. You know. Oh, definitely. Listen, it's been uh, great catching up with you guys again every Thursday on a Celtic State of Minds Bulletin. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the comments section on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. If you're on YouTube, remember to subscribe. All that's left for me to say is thank you to JP Mason. Enjoy the game on Saturday, JP. And thank you to Declan McConville for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.